You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. We're feeling a little short-handed tonight. And Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Hey, and Brian McCubbin. We made up for last week, Dave. <laughs> and Brad Wren. Hey, everybody. And John Curley. Hey, hello, iRacers. And Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, how's it going? And Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, everyone. Full house tonight. On the show, we will take a look at the 2024 Season 1 build. Also, we'll look at what you should expect from a direct drive wheelbase and what sim products you might want to avoid buying. Yeah, that's right, Mike. And if you join us live at iRacersLounge.com and select show notes, you'll be able to see all these great stories and products by, we'll be discussing on today's show. So go there, iRacersLounge.com, check it out. The show notes, we'll see you there. hit the uh, specific topics that we have additional content on first before we just dive into the uh, into the deepest part of the patch notes. Excuse my voice, it's going away. But we'll kick it off first with the Oval Refresh Phase 1. So it's a uh, more dynamic racing experience that's on the way for the Oval iRacers. Phase 1 has the um, users will see much more contrast between surface grip levels as they re as they relate to track temperature. Okay. And uh, I noticed, you know, I don't know. Did you guys notice we raced uh, last night? Uh, some of us did. Uh, Brad, you didn't get very long on it, but uh, David, you ran the whole race with me. And uh, I mean, what do you think? Did you could you tell any difference? I didn't notice a big change over time except for the usual change i always see that when the track rubbers up i tend to get faster but um i was able to run a line actually that i haven't been able to run really since we had all the horsepower there there was you, you saw what i was doing when you were behind me i was running this different just just a really really late apex line especially out of three yeah you were like in the middle of the corner and just turned left to the bottom from the top to the bottom somehow and we're all pushing tight i i don't know brad did you notice anything uh no not really i mean i wasn't in the race but for 60 laps um you know i mean i think we've talked before i just kind of hope that this maybe gets us back to where we were i guess what 16 and 17 it yeah, felt like I that what happened yeah, I think what happened back then was a tire model came out and kind of broke the dynamic track that they had recently put out that did basically the same thing this is saying it's going to do. Well, since we're already talking about it, something that did happen that I've never seen happen before. I was running, um, I had a really good long run speed. I was running with a bunch of the 5,000 R rating guys towards the end, and I had this 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 fellow that was basically I traded spots with three times. I think I ended up finally pulling away from him in the end. Um, 
but I had never seen that happen before. I, I caught up to him and was able to pass him. I'd pull away to about a second, and then he did started doing something different and would catch back up with me. So I, I, I'd never seen that happen before. Usually once I caught somebody and passed them, I'd leave them in the dust. And this guy ran me back down, and then I'd run him back down, and then he'd run me back down. So something was definitely different. Yeah, I mean, I did feel like you could change your line a little bit last night, um, and you could tell the difference. I mean, I know when we were running just in the open practice there, Dave, um, you know, Justin line, just in my line, I could could knock a tenth or so off, and it, it just it didn't seem the track did not seem to be as static and line specific as it has been. One point I noticed, uh, Christian Schalliner was from staff. He he was in that race. He he was doing a different line than the rest of us. Like we were all on the bottom, and then he he was up in the middle. And I I pointed that out to Justin. I said we should do what he's doing. He he's probably been practicing this, uh, or he's just Chris, and he's you know a stupid an insane talent. I mean, he was a pro driver before he went to i racing. He also did start shifting towards the end as well. Well, I hope I think we'll see more benefit once we get into open setup races. Yeah, this more to come. All right, we got two new tracks. We got Slinger and Kern. John, I saw you were pretty excited about this earlier. Yeah, this Slinger, uh, you know, it's a it's an asphalt oval. And what they're saying is it's the fastest quarter mile on the earth. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. I like those fast, short tracks, and which is going to be really good because, you know, they've one of the things they've done with the track configs is – uh, you don't get punished on safety rating like you used to on some of these small tracks. So I'm I'm excited about the speed. I want the figure eight. The figure eight looks like super fun. We got a video that shows uh, the Slinger Speedway in action. And what I like about this figure eight is the runoff is all grass. I mean, unlike the other figure eight that we have on the service, uh, Irwindale, like in Irwindale, if you go off, it's all pavement and, you know, you can kind of recover and keep going. But here, like if you go off, it's really narrow and uh, there's grass everywhere. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a lot different. The, the only problem with the figure eights are they're pretty much exclusively a week 13 type of thing, pretty much, right? You can never have a figure eight in a, in a sanctioned uh, official race. True, but it's still a blast. Yeah, it's it's fun, and you'll see them in the the um, in the hosted session every once in a while too. So they're fun for that. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of the old Islip Speedway figure eight uh, races, which were a lot of fun to watch. And I, when I was a kid, I always wanted to get on there. Now this is this is just like that, so you can do it this week. Yeah, I agree, Mike, uh, with the grass because at Irwindale you. And your first couple of laps around there, you kind of don't know where the hell you're going, but with the, the grass, it kind of gives you a definite track layout. So it does look like a lot of fun. Are they going to put the jump in it like they do at Irwindale too? That's always cool. The oval though, um, reminds me of Southern national where you go up out of the corner and then down into the corner, kind of like a Dover too, where you got elevation changes. Yeah. Kind of similar to Bristol. That's what it makes me think of. Yeah, um, this seems like uh, another thing that they've been trying to get ready for for the um, for the uh, Tony Stewart series because um, this current Slinger is a big one in his series. Oh, you mean the um, SRX? The, SRX. SRX. Yeah. SRX. 
Does that mean they're going to have to come up with a track from Canada, Canada that they might be going into, too? Because we don't have a lot of short tracks for Canada at all. You can just run them around a parking lot, right? Hey, they want to run street courses. Just rent out, a, rent out a mall and race around the mall. Like a race around a hockey rink. Any more stereotypes? I'm listening. Um, but you could have a, you could determine qualifying by a curling match. You can have a sorry button for when somebody passes you. Women only for the curling match, though. I think we ought to do the rocket car on this track. How long until an F1 car, the F1 car is tried around this track to uh, in a video sing, setting the fastest time? I think Neven did it. I think he already has one out. Yeah, he was running like, long. I think, five second laps or so, five or six second laps. Okay, I'm going to buy it just to try that now. Here we go. But are you going to buy the Audi R8 LMS2 Evo? That's the next question. No. Uh, I'll take it then. This is the Audi uh, Sport. And Dave Cam actually did a video about the release. And he talked briefly about this and said, because he, he did buy it, and he said, hey, if you have the original Audi uh, that this one replaces, it's basically the same car. Um, he said, you know, if you didn't like the original one, don't buy this one. Save your 15 bucks. Well, they all have, like, obviously in those, or those GT3 or those gt3 classes it just depends on your preference of what you like uh to run there just they're finally filling out the class properly with the right body types for the the gt3 class um but the audi is good on certain tracks because of the all-wheel drive and um it's kind of basically the the uh, the lamborghini is basically the in the audi in a lamborghini body so it depends on what you want to run and generally in GT3, you're either going to run something that you're kind of brand loyal to, or you're going to be one of the guys who's on a team that, that researches which one has the best balance of power at every track and switches, switches cars every week, right? So I've, Audi was the first uh, GT3 I think I owned, and it was hard to drive. I definitely enjoy driving the Merc a lot better. Just It's just, it's just harder to wreck, I guess, more than anything. It's just good to see that, you know, iRacing and IMSA have the relationship where they continue to add to that series. Um, you know, we're still missing a few cars as we go into next year. So I think the hope is that they'll continue to work um, to where you actually have a full field, um, you know, of GT3s um, and the, uh, the prototypes. Well, if they get those prototypes fully fielded out, that'll be really popular too. I just, I just hope it's, it's going to be tough to have all those cars in one class. Or in one race class, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Well, they have been able to bump up the number of unique uh, cla unique bodies that they can have on a track, though. So if they can continue that trend, they'll be able to do it. Right. If they can keep optimizing the sim, you know, where it takes less horsepower, so to speak, um, you know, they can they can do that. They can pull it off. Well, there's been some discussion. I know we've had before that you know they've they're making uh, attempts, to, I guess, to look at some different graphics engines or perhaps or something. You know where they brought in different um, people. You know with a lot of uh, background and, and different engines. Well, it's if right. if they start going the graphics way, it'll be the GPU power it's using instead of the CPU power with the they're kind of more on right. And they're already they've already done quite a quite a bit. I mean, you used to say that 
irising didn't multi multi thread, but it actually does now. It's better. I still think there's a lot of work, but it is still very CPU dependent. It's still twelve years old, but it looks good. Something that probably focuses more on the GP though is the uh, grass model. Has anybody turned this on? I didn't change my, my graphics settings, and I didn't have to reset them, and so it was set to off when I got in the race last night. I think this is Okiyama, so I grouped this together with the Okiyama video, uh, which has all the brand new 3D curbs, they call it, uh, 3D curb model, as well as the grass model. I, I did run a, a Ferrari around the Okiyama a few laps um, to try to see how what I thought, and I liked it. I mean, I could see the curbs look different because they have elevation to them now. Like I can see that they're an inch tall, an inch and a half tall. But I, like you can visually see it out the window. Now, did it feel any different when I dra drove over it? To me, no, it didn't feel any different. I've heard other people online say it feels different, but it didn't in my butt kicker. Yeah, I, I would echo what you said, Mike. I just, just before the show, did a street stock race on Okiyama. Graphics are great. I, I like what they've done to it, but the track doesn't feel different. Uh, it, it's, it's a visual thing to me. Well, it's, oh, yeah. it, can only, it can only feel whatever they've scanned, right? If they haven't changed the scan, does it feel any different unless it tells the physics to do something different? My understanding is this is an updated scan as well. Okay. Does this mean... Oh, is it a... Has it been repaved, I guess, is the big, the other question that goes with that. Since the that original, I, who knows? Yeah, that, that I don't know, but I do know, I, I think I remember from the, I guess, the mid-season video update that it was an updated scan from 23. Does so it could be weathered. <laughs> Sorry, does Greg. It, does it mean I'm going to have to get more Tide uh, detergent because I'm going to get more grass stains in my uh, fire suit? Well, it was only a season ago they changed how it feels to drive in the grass. I never really tested that yet, but um, yeah, Okiyama looked great. I mean, it has all the new bells and whistles, like the tree models and the fence models and all these things that they've been working on, and it, it pops visually. Yeah, Mike, uh, I recently kind of been getting a little bit of a knock for, you know, not looking like super modern uh, games do. Um, but I, I think from watching this Okiyama drive through, I mean, it's 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 up there with just about any other game as far as the graphical detail. It's, it's really nice. Are you talking about the only two games that have come out, Gran Turismo and Forza? Because any of the other games, they've all uh, crashed and burned before they got to release. <laughs> yeah. Well, not all of them, but we will we'll be hitting that soon. In fact, <laughs> isn't that the next topic? I think you kind of gave us a good transition. So, yeah, the ship be sinking, Mac. Yeah, um... Mike Straw posted a story that eight more motorsport uh, games employees have won their case against the company for unpaid wages, ranging from late 2022 to mid-2023. Uh, he wasn't able to get a dollar figure, but um, motorsports games will be required to pay, back, pay all of the back pay wages as well as compensation for unused vacation time. Um, yeah, I don't know how they're even lasting this long if they haven't played their employees for about a year now well that's just a certain group that didn't get paid or something they sued them oh okay this this last statement you have written i don't know who wrote it here is this in the article that it 
may have uh, motorsports have may have killed R Factor too as well. Yeah, so there's a second part uh, to this this story uh, by Justin Petschauer. Um, who used to be a staple in the NIS series for several years, and he quit at a protest of the Gen Seven car. It was kind of funny, but anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, he posted on the Twitter this guy Jimmy Allison, who apparently is like a a dev, a developer that works on R Factor Two. And he basically said, uh, he put out, you know, a, a tweet that, you know, about his contract and was with Studio 397 and Motorsports Games bought out Studio 397. So he was kind of working for him and met a lot of good people. But, um, you know, he was apparently supporting the R Factor 2. And he says here, uh, quote, also support on game ends here, go somewhere else. And so, um, so the question that Justin Petschauer puts out is, well, what happens now with that Lamaze, uh, Le Mans virtual series or Lamaze virtual series uh, that also, you know, they do that Lamaze 24 hours uh, race as well. Does, how many years are they into that contract? It was, it was a 10 year contract. What, aren't they like three or four into it? I think four, we're going on four maybe at least. You think like the worst part is is that it could end up where it just that they, they they could go bust and then that contract is just you know maybe they just nothing gets developed from the Lamar stuff at all because they're supposed to have a game come out too this year aren't they? Imagine next month when they release the special event calendar and it's got both Lamar and the Indy 500 on it, maybe even a late model special event. Uh, to go along with the super late model special event as well. It's going to be crazy. I don't know if I get my hopes up, though. I don't know about Lamar, but we talked about it last week that there there evidently might be some, some bad blood between high racing and Indy that's um, going to prevent them from cooperating anytime soon. Even I, I don't see why um, iRacing couldn't throw up. I guess they still have to come up with an agreement to run run the, the, the Lara car, even if it's not exclusive to somebody else, Indy still has to say, yeah, you can run this car. So They're off, no power. Say so what? Sorry, I was texting my son. <laughs> <laughs> um so so I'm I'm thinking yeah, the the you know the rumor mill was that somebody at Indy had ties to motorsports games financially. And that's why they made that deal. And so uh, we don't have any we don't have any inside sources ourselves that have told us anything, but I wouldn't get your hopes up on the 500 Le Mans, who knows? Um, because that's a different company that owns those rights. The one thing that I, you know, that I do find interesting is the, the issue with R factor too. Cause um, I don't, you know, if anybody knows, I guess within the last month or so, you know, they've launched kind of a, a, a online similar, I guess, attempt to be like iRacing. So, um, don't know how popular it is, but uh, it's, it's it's unfortunate that's going to end up killing the support for R Factor Two. All these companies keep trying; they just can't see keep lasting. So there, there's like Mike said, twelve, fifteen years here of iRacing being around, and they're still they're still taking the they're taking the bullets. They're just grazing off of them. Like maybe talking about. Maybe. Maybe exclusivity just isn't the way to go with 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 software, and it just instead just putting out the best product and even going against competition no. would be the better option. 
Now, it, it could could motorsports be totally? I, I get what they do with like licensing for like NHL, NBA, football, things like that. Could motorsports just because it's so dynamic and manufacturers and all those things? It just it's too hard to like David was saying there. You, you, it's being exclusive doesn't help uh, help with their ratings or or popularity. Um, to get their thing out there, maybe it's better to just have as many, um, as many as they can to to try and bring the popularity somewhere. I just think that we were doing. Gr- I felt like we were doing great with having an indie car and Le Mans and all that stuff, and then they took the exclusive away, and it just turned. There's such a it turned the fan base, some fan bases against those those sanctioning bodies. That's a good point, Greg. I mean, iRacing has, you know partnerships with not only the nascar and IMSA and that kind of thing but the manufacturers as well and the teams you know how do we get the cars and all that so all these different partnerships put together i think gives them an advantage the other thing i was going to say is earlier today codemasters who does the f1 game they laid off their whole staff right before christmas it's an ugly business right now with the layoffs this this year in the gaming industry in general there's something like um six to eight thousand jobs that were lost just from um layoffs you don't hear that at iRacing that's that's really good well i can tell you when when you've got employees who are winning cases uh for their wages that's a bad omen for motorsports games because it's not easy to win those cases for employees it's it's a tough business and and you know that means motorsports games they're breaching their agreements and and that's a bad bad sign for the future well stay tuned next week for the next episode of as the motorsports dies um let's move on though how to race with max is the next video i went ahead and gave this one a watch it's a real quick 50 second video it talks about how that Max isn't running as much official as he as he has in the past, but you're more likely to see him at specific tracks. I think it was Sebring and Road Atlanta, maybe, or maybe Road America. And then he also pointed out that he actually likes to run C-Fix when he's at Talladega. Yeah, and he said that's probably the best chance of racing with him because unless you have a very high I rating in Road, uh, it's a lot easier to you know find him uh, in in C-Fixed you know, because his uh, oval eye rating is somewhere in the 3000s. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, have you guys raced with world champions before? I mean, I was on um, I was on track with Tony Stewart once. I was kind of neat. I remember that. But just, you know, on the, at Pocono uh, virtually, that was neat. But yeah, Max for Stappen would be pretty cool. I've had Max in a few IMSA races. I, I think the closest I came is our IMSA Rolex raced the one year with all the NASCAR guys. I can remember running some truck races years ago with Van Ginsburg. Oh, yeah. I've raced Shane several times at Sonoma and got lapped. <laughs> yeah. Last week, uh, one of our team members, Justin Pearson, raced with uh, Dale Jr. at uh, Darlington in the Winter Series. There were a bunch of names in that. Who else was there besides Dale? Do you remember? Uh, Nim Cross was in it. And there was a couple of Coke series drivers. Can't remember who they were, but they both had a real tough time. Didn't do well. So does anybody in here do yoga? Have you looked no. at any of us? Look at the screen, everybody. <laughs> um, 
So we don't do like handstands or anything like that, right? Um, or any of those crazy kind of stances. But what we might could do is a no stand, right, Greg? Yeah, so Josh Gardner posted uh, a video of how to do a no stand uh, at uh, the Nürburgring on one of the hills, hills here. Um, quite interesting on this with the Lotus. Uh, was it Lotus 49? Yeah. Um, definitely uh, not what a race car is supposed to be doing, especially that kind of race car. What a neat car. I mean, no downforce at all. I mean, there's like literally none. This is like a zero downforce call, car. It's just like a, a seat, a steering wheel, and an engine. That's all you feel, really. And he definitely struggled. He he did plant no, plant the nose in, into the ground and just flat out missed a few corners as well. Um, still looked better than me at that track. I, I just... <laughs> I know, uh, you know, we talk about safety and stuff nowadays. I just couldn't believe that guys strapped themselves into these cars back in the day and and wrote, drove with just guardrails and, and possibly, like, hay bales on the outside of the track. And if you do crash, you're going into trees. And it just, I don't know. I guess it's, you know. Yeah, manja oval. That uh, the love of just racing and being fast, I guess, is the thing, right? Yeah, and talking about being on the edge all the time, when you have no downforce, you are on the edge pretty much all the time. So I don't know what they had for safety belts. I don't, I don't think they had, uh, uh, I don't even know if they had five point harnesses back lap then, belts. right? They're all lap yeah, belts. it was a lap belt, right? That's what I thought. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, there's some great uh, documentaries out there about F1 back in that era. And, um, you know, Jackie Stewart and a lot of these guys that some got to the point where they just refused to race because they were losing guys. I mean, you know, you were losing multiple drivers every single year. So uh, there's some good stuff out there to, to look at if you want to explore. But, uh, yeah, no downforce, skinny tires. Uh, I mean, men, just absolute men. It's the strangest car to drive because it doesn't drive like any other car because it goes really fast. But when you get to a turn, you have to, like, stop and then turn. You know, it's like, you, or you have to slow down and then before you get to the turn, because the thing, you know, just pushes off track because like, there's no, like you said, no downforce. It's, it's mechanical. That's all it is. Everything on it is mechanical grip and, and the rubber. That's all you got. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys ever, you know, back in the day, a Grand Prix legends. I mean, that's what the car came basically came out of. So just a uh, fantastic uh sim very difficult but yes that was fantastic that was so difficult that sim <laughs> holy crap somewhat of the predecessor to what we have now yeah was that the uh, uh, sierra game papyrus sierra game brad yes yeah they had an indycar f1 legends and uh and the nascar games back then they used to have all three of the licenses well i think that goes yeah, we gotta back. go ahead john I was going to say that kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier with these exclusive licenses. I think that was about the time what EA Sports got the NASCAR license and kind of ruined everything. There were some good NASCAR games. They were because the one that I don't know if you ever you guys ever played NASCAR Revolution. Did you ever hear about that one? That was an interesting take on the uh, the NASCAR series. Got into it on the PC side, and I think I had one game for PlayStation. Can't remember which one it was, but I've been PC all the way. Just never been a console racing person. 
Well, Donnie, what we got next is a logo that somebody thinks matches a real picture or of the iRacing logo. What do you think? Well, in the forums, there is a, a forum going around, a, a thread, that they think they found the match to the iRacing logo, and it would be Fernando Alonso back in his uh, Renault days before his time at Ferrari, or McLaren even. Um, I remember... Renault. Renault. I remember listening to an old uh, Downshift podcast, and I could have swore one of the founding members of iRacing claimed that he was the genesis of the logo during one of his racing days. So, however, this picture here matches pretty spectacularly, so it's actually hard to deny. Um, I'm curious if uh, that staffer's story might be true. I don't think it does. The head's not even at the same angle. What they needed to be careful as of it is they don't want Alonso to come after them for the, the rights of his himself. Yeah. Well, the, the head is looking, the head is turned more in the eye racer than it, than Fernando's picture. And the, the body doesn't actually line up. The hips are in a different place. So either, I mean, it's similar, but this person lined up the hands, but when the hands are lined up, the lower body does not line up at all. I want yeah. them to use the, uh, the, the the image below this one on the forms of him sitting in the lawn chair. That should have been the iRacing one. So well, I thought it should have been, if you go to the forums, uh, one of the posters, Clyde Coleman, uh, he, he has the best one back on December 4th. I think that's the one they should have used as a very so, curvy, long-haired woman. With gigantic I arms. To point out, <laughs> I want to point out, Donnie's right. Somebody... From iRacing, I think it was Dave Kamer from my memory, the founder of iRacing, uh, who's the tire model guy. Uh, he used to run uh, skippies at Lime Rock, apparently, and uh, that's uh, modeled off of a picture of him getting out of the car or something. Uh, that was what I remember as well. So I think that's the truth. Now, if you guys go to the top of this page in the forums, somebody else points out the obvious if you compare the iRacing logo to other sports like NBA, M Major League Baseball, and others, they have a similar paint scheme or color scheme, red, white, and blue, with the you know silhouette of the athlete in the middle. Well, that's because that's the best colors, right? Oh, God, here we go. You're 66% right there, Greg. Let's say you got the red and the white, but that's it. So even the like uh, not alone. the Indy Racing League, their logo is very similar. Red on the left, blue on the right, white in the middle. Well, they're all obviously based on patriotic American colors. As they're gen generally genesis. They're, they're American companies. They're American sports centralized, basically. Even though... Uh, emphasis and road racing is pretty big in iRacing. It's it still has its genesis right there in in New England. I like the logo. I imagine back in the day when they came up with it. You don't. You have software people. You have developers. You don't have. I mean, you had some artist people on staff. I'm sure, but you know, they're they're thinking. I don't know if they're thinking esport, but they're thinking motorsports. And when you look at these logos from these other sports, it'd be real simple to, oh, let's just kind of model off of this, you know. It was looking at the, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Donnie. Yeah, looking at that uh, page full of, I guess, American themed logos that you're re referencing to, the iRacing one 
is probably in the top five compared to some of these other ones. They did a really good job when they came out with it, hit it uh, knocked it out of the park. Yeah. The, uh, the actual iRacing one was, if you think about it too, it's clever um, for the fact like they could have just done something like simple, like a steering wheel or like a helmet or something. And they chose that, you know, the winning, the winning stance of what, you know, you feel like when you win a race, but it also works really good for the meme that we've all created from it with the soon clock, with the two hands pointing at each side. Well, if they did that, Greg, would it be an oval wheel or a, a formula wheel or a well, GT that's problem, wheel? That's the problem. It's they, they they pick the best thing as a driver in a fire suit and a helmet. That's that a driver nothing, winning, it's right? Iconic, right? It's like it's iconic. It, it's that classic pose when you win the race and you jump up on the top of the car and you raise your you know fingers in the air and I want it. I think the only difference nowadays is it would have a Hans device attached to it. That would be the only difference you'd have on from back then. All right. I got a question. Should this next one actually be in hardware or did you bump it up here for a reason? No, this is not really hardware. So the Justin, uh, no, excuse me, McKinsey. I think you're, you talked about this place. And so that's why I put it on the script. Yeah. Um, I was just, I forget what I was looking at online and this place came up. I actually thought it was, a place that like sold sim equipment at first, but it just turns out it's another, uh, another sim, sim racing lounge. Um, I'm not exactly sure what software they use. It doesn't say anywhere, but, uh, they do have Moza direct drives and then they also have a Camus. I think it's the 12 Newton meter. Um, I wanted to go give it a try this week. Just never got the chance. So I might go next week to try it out. Is this the one in Barry? Uh, this one's in Guelph. Oh, okay. So it's like 10 minutes down the road, 10, 20 minutes down the road for me. Yeah, you guys are talking about Ontario, Canada, right? Yeah. Because there's one in Barrie, that, another one we've covered, I think, before, too. There was a, one in Barrie, Ontario. Yeah, there was. So they have a tri-sim racing deal, $15 for 15 minutes. I like it. All right, John, it's about time for the simis again, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, it's it's coming up here, and uh, we've got a spot, 6,500 nominations for that. I mean, how do you pick for those awards out of 6,500? That's a lot. But there's a we on our show notes, we've got a link to, to cast your vote. Yeah. I went through the process. I you know didn't recognize a lot of the names, to be honest with you. There were a few names I recognized. For yeah, best I team, you sorry for best team, you could have voted for Williams Esports. They were nominated. Yeah, I didn't vote for them, um, but I voted for people I've heard of, as, like Evan Pasoko. Our buddy uh, Evan was on the list as somewhere, and I voted for him. Unfortunately, Brian, I mean uh, Donnie, they don't have a category for best cheater. Somehow they're nominated for best team, though. There's not a bad best podcast on here, unfortunately. They don't want to humble everybody else. Well, uh, hit the link. Go make your vote. Brian, we got week four in World of Outlaws. Yeah, guys. Uh, so week four, World of Outlaws Thrustmaster Series was back in Pennsylvania for the second week in a row. This time it was at Lincoln Speedway. Um, this was... This was a this race had a lot of twists and turns. A lot of the big names were having problems. Um, 
the overall number one qualifier was actually Alex Bergeron, and he he wrecked out of his his uh, heat race. He had to go. He was started in last place in the uh, in the um, consolation race and wound up making the tail end of the uh, of the. Uh, the main so uh but uh so uh, more problems for other big drivers uh hayden cardwell he was on the pole with his his heat and he he crashed on his own a lot a lot of weird things going on but um in the end uh the winner wound up being kenny miller who was actually a um a same winner as lincoln as last year so he repeat winner for kenny miller at this track uh logan rumsey finished second and joey lindgren finished third another another huge day uh with the points shake up um if you remember last week uh, evan c was the uh points leader going into this race and he didn't qualify for the um for the finals um so he lost a ton of points just like alex bergeron did the week before that so this series is in serious turmoil it's it's you know we're almost halfway through and it's it looks like it could be anybody's series to win right now though uh the win the uh leader is uh ryan avalia uh aiden forster's in second tyler shell the uh, winner from last year is in third i actually watched this uh this week brian and I was impressed with this track, Lincoln. I mean, I I think I told you. I think the the guys, some of these guys were ripping the top, like right along the top. I mean, and they were going just a little bit faster than the guys on the bottom. But as the track changed, you know, it changed up. The other thing that I really caught my attention the whole race was not what was happening up front, but watching uh, Alex Bergeron come from dead last up through the field. He finally got up to ninth before the end. Yeah, and and he did a great job. I mean, he he was obviously fast. He was uh, he he won the qualifying. He had the fast qualifying, and uh, you know he 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 started his heat race in last or the um, consolation race in last, and they only take the top two. I think he wound up winning the thing. So he definitely had some speed. And he he just just. Uh, didn't have time to get up any further than than he did. So um, he he did make up a couple a point. I think he caught a caution there that helped him uh, gain you know get closer to the leaders anyway yeah yeah so it, it was great great race there um a lot of action um so here, here's here's the cool thing about this race um the two the guy who's finished first and second again it was uh, kenny miller and logan rumsey they are both real world winners at this track in sprint cars and uh kenny miller is in uh in a uh a wingless sprint car so that goes it goes to show you that maybe that there's something to these guys who actually have real world track experience um it translates to iRacing to where they they can run really well at this track so i thought that was pretty interesting track specialist came in and, and won it as a ringer basically pretty cool yeah, so they're uh, at I-55 next week, which is the smallest track on the service. And then I think they have two weeks, two week and two weeks off for holidays because they run on Monday nights, and that's Christmas and New Year's. All right, Dave, we already hit the next one, the Slinger video, and I'll touch on the la- the next one. Uh, Dave Cam, I mentioned his video before, but the other big tidbit in his video that I think he's real proud of. Uh, I wanted to mention on the show is he said, go into your settings in the sim, go to your hotkeys and there's a hotkey for weather. And then once you uh, map the hotkey, then you get in the car and do the control K where you can like move stuff around like the, you know, the relative. 
Well, you'll see the actual radar screen populated with what you're going to see when there's actual weather. You think they get it out uh, in a month? They said they weren't going to drop it if all of un all unexpectedly for the Rolex, so I don't see it coming out till later on. How much? Yeah, is they said uh, time? or not enough time. Just three, just three cars initially is what was going to get like the Toyota eighty six and a couple others. And, and you probably shouldn't test this at the Rolex. You should probably test it in smaller settings first. Well, especially if Mike's saying there's only a couple cars that it's kind of like ready for. That the imps is what you know was it nine ten cars now? Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be for the twenty four. No, no, and and I think we've we've said before they've they've got to make sure this is right because if it's not, it, it will be a huge disaster. You know, the last thing we need is to to have them release it and then come to find out you can you know get out in a some sort of different car and and just drive like a maniac and it not affect anything. Okay, John, how about automated driving rules? Yeah, I can't hear you. Yeah, we've got a rule. Uh, Section 8.1 has been updated with notations about automated driving input. And uh, it's a, Section 8.1 says that uh, being in sports and motorsports my entire life, this has got me curious. I'd like to flesh out the following. Why do we need this now? You know, will IR provide more detail on this item? So, um Kind of an interesting question here. Well, we were talking about that piece of hardware that does the auto launch for you, right? Right. Conspit, the Conspit pedals. pedals so yep. This is in response to that is what some people are saying in the forums. Does this specifically allow it or or say that it's a specific exception? So I'm, un I'm under the understanding from everything I've read, the Conspit pedals are allowed as is. But I think the pedals release has brought up the discussion, you know, like how far is this going to go? So iRacing is uh, getting ahead of the curve by, you know, putting out the rules ahead of time. That's the way I read this. Because it could set up a it could set up a slippery slope, and uh, the the auto launch thing is is it's. In a, it's in a very limited case, and it mostly just has to do with either launching on the line or getting out of the pits, which there's other options that make that work as well. So, But, yeah, imagine if you start basically becoming able to put traction control on a stock car with some kind of AI help. Um, yeah, when I read this, I had a different thought. I, I thought back to uh, DJ EJ's video a couple weeks ago that we covered about cheating and how that iRacing after a Coke race will examine the inputs of the drivers and to see exactly how how uniform they are. And it, this makes me think that um, they're they're worried about you know some kind of AI driving or some kind of automatic driving program or whatever. I don't know how what it is, but. That's the way I, I, I took this. Well, the rule says specifically drivers may not utilize third party software and or hardware to modify or automate direct real time human control inputs to the iRacing simulation. Exceptions may exist under iRacing sole discretion. So you know, it, to me, if you read the rule, it's pretty open ended here. It doesn't really address it directly. It gives them discretion, though. That's that's what they were they're trying to get in there so they can say it out loud. 
Well, I imagine if you had software that had access to telemetry, you could basically, like I said, build in a traction control on a car that's not supposed to have it. There's a post in the forums this week from somebody saying to David Tucker uh, from iRacing, you know, dude, why can't we get like tire slip through telemetry? Well, and he's like, well, because of cheating, you know, there's certain things that will never be put into telemetry and anything that, you know, might be used to, to uh, further these kind of things we're talking about, you know, they're going to hold close to the chest. They're not going to share wheel slip. That's good to know. I didn't know if that was the case or not. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, if they had that wheel slip, they would. They could make some people would make traction control stuff no problem then. And wheel slip's not the only thing. I'm just using that one as an example. There's other uh, things I'm sure they're concerned about. But anyway, I just thought I'd point it out. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about somebody, I guess, complaining about Camel being the name of a series and. Well, they got what they wanted, it looks like. Yep, so the Camel GT, GT is dead. Long live IMSA Vintage. So the series has been renamed the IMSA Vintage Series as opposed to the Camel GT. Um, at the end of the day, probably a, a better name for it anyway. Now, I had trouble confirming this, like going and looking at a series because it was week 13 and I just couldn't find it anywhere. But we do have a post from Greg West on staff in this forum post and he says this, quote, we had a cool opportunity to work directly with IMSA to have official branding on the series. I love the vintage logo. So I don't like the fact that they're bowing to political correctness, <laughs> but to turn it into a, you know, an opportunity to further partner with IMSA to have a, you know, IMSA, you know, uh, throwback series, so to speak. That's just the IMSA GT series would just be those two old cars, right? Yeah, the one that yeah. looks like a wedge is one of them. Yeah, the uh, yeah, okay. It's a Nissan, isn't it? Yeah, Nissan and uh, Audi or the Audi, isn't it? Yeah, the Audi. Yeah, like a boxy the, looking the, Audi. The Quattro. Curious what the issue was to begin with. So, Camel Cigarettes is a C A M E L here, but a bit of a. I think it was a K somewhere else a while ago, but the logo doesn't, the K with the camel with the K logo didn't match the camel with the C. So what was their issue? That it sounded like camel. Yeah. There I mean, was one guy who yeah. posted in the forums and they deleted that post like a month ago. And we yeah. even talked about it briefly on the show, but that's it. I heard as one guy complained, that's it. And they bowed to it. Is, is he going to go around and shoot all the camels in Africa now because they named cigarettes after him? Well, I, I mean, it goes back to when, you know, NASCAR had the issues with Winston Cup and with beer and anything else, you know, back in, I guess, the early 2000s, you know, where it wasn't Budweiser on the car, it was Dale, or if it wasn't light, it was rusty. So, unfortunately, it's, you know, tobacco and the rest of that's big and evil, unless you can make lots of money off of it. Yeah, and what just happened to the Winston Cup uh, Museum that was named Winston Cup Museum? They actually had to close because they're being sued because of the, of the name Winston. Yep. Well, let's talk about new stuff instead of old stuff, I guess. We got, we're now down to the 2024 Season 1 patch notes. Um, we can hit the highlights, I guess, real quick before we just kind of peruse and see what we want to talk about. We've talked about the GTE 3. Um, 
the Autodromo Internaziale de Mugello is out, out with a Grand Prix in a short. Mugello. Is it Mugello? Mugello. Yeah, that's right. It's Italian, not sorry uh slinger speedway is out okiyama we talked about that the oval refresh talked about 3d curves recovered 3d foliage recovered there's 16 new damage models i'm not going to read those new iris vehicles. did they did they do some work on the cup cars yeah damage model is different um apparently the nose comes off easier cool. yes i experienced i experienced it last night before you go on to the next one Remember when they first brought the damage model out, they were only getting like a couple at a time, and now they're doing, they're almost pretty much getting the whole catalog is caught up. They're doing a really good job of getting caught up now. Well, the first net damage model that came out for next gen essentially tanked, right? It failed. They had to just roll it back. Um, they've probably learned from that. And so it's probably just not as hard to do now. They, they know, they know exactly what to avoid. So, you know, when you go over the highlights, I mean, the only thing left, David, was AI was done on a bunch of tracks. But it's a really light build from most people's perspective. You got one car, you got three tracks, and you got some other stuff. And so it's not real content heavy like some, like usually, but you got to remember there's a huge focus on rain, tempest, weather. And that's coming soon, you know, hashtag soon. So that's the reason it's a light build. That's the way I see it. Well, and I think we, from the oval side, you know, finally getting the refresh that we've been asking for, I think is good too. Um, so again, not every, I think not every build could be huge. I mean, guys that have been around the service for 12 or more years can remember when you didn't get a car every build either. You know, I'm happy with the build. I, I don't ever get it upset with the builds too much i i run what i run and i'm happy with that but uh i don't know i looked at it and i didn't i wasn't too disappointed it seemed okay i don't know mike you could probably remember this when we were first back in the day when it knew like the one thing we always had was there was a new oval track that got scanned every build like you'd you used to have the cup series that went before it was filled out you'd have waiting on certain tracks to be updated and brought to the thing where you could have a full cup schedule that's that's why the NIS series took forever to, to formate because they didn't have all the tracks for the longest time. I think this oval refresh is going to be a bigger deal than we think, too. And that they're putting a lot of resources into that. And, of course, they've got to have a whole lot of hands on deck for rain right now. Um, yeah, if, they're, mother, if they're putting a, sorry, sorry, like, if they're putting a lot of resources into oval, oval updates, you know, how many more tracks, you know, how many more tra oval tracks are there out there that, you know, would be, a cup car, you know, to drive on is really not. Um, so if they're it's just if they're focusing more on the the driving of the car and the conditions of the tracks and the and the live updates of the tracks, I think that's I think that's a good way to focus the resources. As I was gonna say, um, the other thing I mentioned that I think affects you more than anyone, David, the legacy member site members.iracing.com will have most functionality disabled after the new year. Not happy about it. Still um, work. Go ahead. Unless they put out a new UI, they, that, that's just dumb because the UI still sucks. Well, we've got the web version of the UI that 
That's just the UI in, the, do, in a web browser. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't do everything. You're still going to go back to the UI. Where would we go to look up our archive results from years ago? Is it going to be the UI or the website? Here's a, I got a simple request. Give me this. Just put a web browser inside the UI that can access the website. And let me do it the way I've always done it, but inside the inside the UI, and I'll be fine because that gives you that should give them the ability to protect. They're wanting to do it for anti cheat reasons, so just give me the web address functionality inside the UI, the way it used to work with with, with the bookmarks and everything, and and all all the things that are not in the UI, and I'd be a happy camper. Well, there was another thing I noticed in this update was uh, the graphics. You know, the slider's gone. And and I noticed in the races I've done, it seems like my frames, uh, I'm getting more stability in that. I don't know if that's imaginary or not, but that seems to be an improvement. Well, I, I feel like mine has been improved. Yeah, I mean, I said yesterday, you know, when I I took screenshots of all the settings just in case I launched and everything was changed, but um, it wasn't. But when I went in and looked at the INI file, um, the GPU memory was higher in the INI file than what it had been previously. So I don't know if that's playing into it or not. So they had some other changes to the sporting code as well. And I remember two years ago suggesting that for particular drivers that cause problems in a particular series often, they should just as an intermediate penalty instead of banning them from the whole service they should just miss a couple of weeks of the series that they're causing the trouble in right uh i had i, I called that out a couple of years ago guess what it's now in the sporting code um sr has changed a bit on oval it says uh all oval track configs now calculate drivers sr based on a factor of four corners per lap Previously, many small ovals were using a value of two corners per lap, which would make pen, more, penalties more punishing for races of similar lengths than those at larger ovals. So you get, you get murdered at Martinsville. So if you get a 4X or you 4X and crash out on the first lap when you break a toe link, you're SOL? No, even if you collect, completed the whole race, you, you would lose more I-rating because the laps weren't giving you as many corners. So if you got all the way through Martinsville, if you got through the whole Martinsville race, but you, you finished with 20 X, you got hammered. So what happens with the Pocono? It's six turns. (laughs) (laughs) They they, they forget about the, uh, the tunnel turn. What, What about Indy? Is that eight? Well, I, th- I think the issue is the, the short tracks, they were only counting two corners. So take a take Martinsville versus Texas. Texas, you're getting four corners. Martinsville, you're getting two. So SR is calculated on number of corners cleanly, if I'm correct in saying that. I think I am. So the more laps that you do, you know, you were being, like we said, being penalized at, at Martinsville. You run 500 laps at Martinsville versus 500 laps at Texas. You could have the same number of incidents but your SR would be affected worse at at Martinsville than it would at Texas because you're only getting credit for two versus four corners. I think you should get credit for running caution laps cleanly at Martinsville since half the race is caution. Oh, God, I was wondering if the caution thing was coming. Got to add for the quad ovals at Texas and Charlotte as well. Those are two extra corners. Six. <laughs> Donnie. They did also add in this sporting code the thing where you can have your, your win taken away. 
from a race if you do something, I guess, dirty to take the win? You know, we talked about that when that was first announced, and I guess it, it's really going to come down to when we actually see it play out uh, to get an understanding of how exactly it's going to work. You know, we speculated quite a bit, um, but it'd be interesting to see what happens when it actually gets done. Does that mean those moon, whatever those moon races, if somebody really wanted to protest that, could they take the win away in that thing and get somebody banned? Because every one of those races, someone's flipping down because it wrecked at the, the start fit or the start finish line. Is that. Are, are those official races? I guess nah, they're official, right? Nothing major as far as other than a couple of new cars. Uh, I don't what. Nothing major in the car section. Just a lot of tweaks. Dates, setups, that kind of stuff. Little tweaks on a lot of stuff. But yeah, I'm, I don't think we need to list off those. And same things on the tracks. Other than the new tracks, it's just some minor adjustments. Yep, the build notes are there. Have at it. And that brings us to our next topic, which is the preliminary schedule. And I have not taken a look at it. Has anybody? You're, just, you missed one. Did I? Oh, no, you didn't. I'm sorry. I'm out of order. <laughs> I know I did earlier, but I got it. got this one. Yeah. So it's the schedule. The preliminary schedule is out on PDF. If you want to download it and have a look. What is uh, anybody running this season? Anybody running anything? Uh, winter series until Anaya starts. I really want, I'm really hoping someday we get that IndyCar series back. That's the one I'm really missing is having an IndyCar NIS series. You know, what's nice about that one. It was only 17 weeks throughout the year. So you can good chance of making all the races for that one. But I'm hoping to do the 12 weeks of both IMSA and the Michelin pilot series. Those are the two I'm going to probably do through the winter. Yeah. I'll get a few IMSAs in as well. I'm going to, you know, I just got back into racing, and so I'm going to, you know, pick up, uh, you know, the winter NIS with Justin and uh, run that. So that's kind of my plan. We all know how much racing you're going to get doing now. I'm off work until the 18th, so. I'm not sure if you answered my question, but we're going to need a video somehow from the outside of when you're running the rig at full volume. Oh, I'm not running full volume because I'm in an apartment now, so it's about half. No excuses. That's right. <laughs> well, Maybe during on, the day, I'll try that. I did see on the schedule the uh, uh, next-gen cars are going to run at Motegi. I don't, I don't recall that ever happening before. Off-season, they do weird stuff. Is that yeah. the, Motegi, is that the bigger, the, the weird egg-shaped big one in Japan? Yeah. The bigger track? Yeah, NASCAR ran there back mid mid to late nineties. Late 90s. I did a race. I did a race there, a fixed race there. I think last year. That is a that would be a really fun track if they actually raced there because of the way that it's a flat track with two weird corners. And they're going to be on Long Beach, the street circuit. Maybe that's well, a secret test. We 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 we're going to every road course in NASCAR that's possible. We're going to be in Las Vegas at some point with F one. I'm curious if they can make that hairpin at Long Beach. I don't know if they can. Isn't um isn't the NIS usually considered season one? Um part of the season one schedule. It's not in this one, it's just a winner. But I thought it usually is included in season one. It will count as season one because season two will not have started yet, but it won't start until nearly the end of season one. Yeah, yeah. That'll yeah, come out as a I think they bring up the schedule separately. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be have to be a separate schedule then. Yeah, the last three weeks of the uh, Class A 
season one is Daytona, and then what Las Vegas and uh, Atlanta. Is the clash in the, in the? I didn't even open up the one for the A. Is the clash in there? I didn't see it, but I I just skimmed through it really quick. No, I didn't see it in there. I I do think I think maybe the trucks are going to be at the Coliseum. Avoid that. So it'll be even dirtier than the All Star race was. You imagine? Oh my goodness! Yeah, they're going to be Week Eight L.A. Coliseum. Just giving the SR and IR away. And I note the trucks are also going to be at the Kevin Harvick's Kern Raceway too. So we still have holiday sales going on, McKenzie. Yeah. Um, so for the holiday sale, not exactly sure when this goes till, but uh, for new members, it's fifty percent off. Oh, it goes till January 5th, sorry. Um, so yeah, if uh, either you know someone or if you're someone who's looking to get into it and has a good time because 50% off is pretty good. I know when I first started, I did yeah, I did the 50% off for the two-year membership. So 100 bucks instead of 200 is a pretty big difference. Or if you want the second account, the Smurf account. All right, now we can start talking events. The first thing we have, uh, Brad, is the ENAR, E-NASCAR International. Yep, so the uh, invitational iRace in action featuring some of NASCAR's top drivers from around the world set to return December 12th. Uh, the E-NASCAR National International iRacing event waves the green flag 6 p.m. Uh, with more than 25 racers, including representatives from the NASCAR Canada Series, uh, Mexico, Wheeling Euro, the NASCAR Brazil, um, and then the three national touring series. Uh, it's going to be a double header uh, at Los Angeles Coliseum and then at Brands Hatch as well. So skim to this a little bit. Uh, looks like it's going to be pretty pretty neat. Uh, a little bit of money on the line too. Um, but I guess expected to have, uh, I think Dale Jr. is supposed to be running in it perhaps, and then some other um, NASCAR guys as well. So again, pretty, pretty neat to see real life guys uh, spending time in the sim. Person, host of our Parker Kligerman, Ty Majeski, Raja Karuth. And this I'm next one, Donnie. Watch. This may, next one might be fun to participate in if you're fast enough, Donnie. Yeah, the IMSA Esports. Oh, sorry about that. We're going to the NASCAR. No, you're right. You're right. Okay, I'm sorry. The IMSA Esports Open Challenge. IMSA iRacing and VCO have something special in store for the final round of the IMSA Esports Global Championship, and you can be a part of it. Um, I don't see the dates here. It looks like December 6th at Daytona. Five GT4 cars to pick from, unlimited attempts, and your fast slap counts. That's for the time attack opens. And then it'll close on December 13th. They gave a... Uh, a UTC time, but um, just check it out. December 6th, it opens, closes December 10th. 10th. There you go, 10th. And uh, five GT cars, GT4 cars to choose from. Top five from each class are qualified, and then 25 racers will compete in a 20 minute dash on December 16th. This looks like it could be a cool challenge to try. More practice for Daytona? I guess um, a GT4 car. It's a lot slower. Yeah, just kind of wonder how fast you got to be. Uh, the top twenty-five are going to be guys that are in there in there, well over five, six, seven thousand in I rating. You would think so, yeah. The, I mean, this is pretty cool. You know, to, if you can get in with the big guys by you know getting into this time attack and being fast. I'm guessing that'll be in the normal time attack area to find that uh, to do it. I've actually never done a time attack. Have you guys, do you guys do those often or ever? 
I do when there's like special things on the line. I say need Justin in here. He's uh, he did the one for the uh, the, the Daytona uh, event. I don't like qualifying. I don't like racing on a track by myself. So no. Uh, I actually just checked. Yeah, they're they're in the time attack right now. Yeah, because it has already opened. It might be fun to go put up a lap just to see how you stack up. <laughs> there's a there's a different uh, time attack for each of the five cars in here also. So it's not just one time attack. You pick the car you want to do it for too. Do all of us own a GT4 car? I do. I actually I think, think I, don't. I do. Maybe. Don't you have the? Don't we have the BMW, David? Mm, I don't recall because anytime, uh, anytime Majors was running those that kind of area, I was always getting in the uh, in the or touring the, car or the Merc too. There was the Merc that had it. So I, I think I've got the, the Merc and the on it. I've got the Merc and the Porsche. I think yeah, I've got the Mercedes and BMW. Challenge accepted. We'll try to get some done this weekend. Well, Brian, where's the iRacing Weekly Challenge this week? Uh, let's take a look here. Um, is it uh, the GT4 class at WeatherTech, Laguna Seca? Is that the one that's coming up? Looks that's like it. It looks like. Yeah, so uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but this is that new series where iRacing Challenge uh, debuts in this season, and they do different cars and different tracks every week. So it's kind of like a hodgepodge of different events. Uh, yeah, we're starting with the GT4, um, and it goes from the Formula Fords, the 911 GT3s, there's a Skip Barber race, Toyota GT, Formula F3, um, Global Mazda, um, Radical SR10, street, street Stock at Watkins Glen, that sounds like it would be pretty cool, uh, the Renault Clio at Lime Rock, the GT3s, Formula V at uh, and so, yeah, so it's really bouncing around all the different types of cars. It's, it's, it sounds like a lot of fun if, if you, uh, if you like, if you like, um, mess around with different cars and different track combinations. I, I call this series the iRacing Revenue Series because it's how they get people to purchase cars and tracks. Yeah, not a terrible idea, but really, more than half of those are free cars. Yeah, I mean, 12 different cars, 12 different tracks. I was thinking, the prestige of winning this championship, whatever division you're in, it's it's extreme. I, I you know this is this is bigger than winning a regular championship to me because of how diverse it is. Yeah, but then we go back to the discussion we've had before: is how many people actually pay attention and worry about championships? It's only it's only road races, though, right? So it'd be a road championship. My concern too would be participation is it going to lack participation because of uh, not everybody owns everything you know and they don't want to buy it well mike you did something like this when they did that uh, anniversary thing that 15th year anniversary where they took uh, the original cars and raced at different tracks didn't you that was kind of fun wasn't it yeah but they were all free tracks was. Your cars weren't they right yeah it was four so, weeks or something yeah most of those tracks on here aren't free and I don't, it, like I said, it's, it's it, Mike's probably pretty close on there being, it's going to be tough participation wise if, um, if people don't have all those type of tracks to, to do the whole, because that's a lot of money. If you have none of it to start off, then you want to run it, which probably you wouldn't, right? 
Well, I think you're catering to the roadside of the surface too. So most likely, at least track-wise, most most everybody's going to have that. If they're a competitive road racer, they're going to have almost all these tracks. Based on these combos, do you guys are you guys interested in any of these aside from the street stock and Watkins Glen? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that I radical think what, what, was interesting. Yeah. What do you get? Two? How many drop weeks do you get in a twelve week series? Four. Sweet. I think was, I, I could probably do ten out of the twelve. So without having to buy anything. I could do, I don't have the formula car. I'd, I'd have to buy the SR 10, but I'd like the radical. So I might go ahead. That might be a good excuse to go ahead and do that. And then we've run the spa several times. So that's just another chance to practice a spa in the GT three. Is that radical free? Do we own that? I don't no, think the SR 10 is the newer one. That's a newer one. Yeah, I think I got at least eight in there. It all kind of comes down to time, though. I'm not committing that much time to running a bunch of random races, so. It's supposed to be for fun. Well, what might be fun, if you, especially if you like, is I, this is a dirt race, isn't it? The Chili Bowl? Yep, sure is. Yeah, this is a Die Racing Chili Bowl series is coming up, just like the real one is. Uh, it's being run December 11th through the 17th for, their, um, for the qualifying. And then uh, Super Sessions are on Sunday. Um, yeah, so um, a fun race. So it's the um, it's the uh, wingless uh, cars. Uh, God, I can't even remember the name. I'm slipping my mind. At the Chili Bowl, just crazy small track. It's the Dirt Midgets. Yeah, I ran sorry. this last. Right. I ran this last year super hard, especially when you don't do it. Um, I might try it again this year, but it, honestly, my whole goal is to just not wreck anybody. And uh, it's very challenging, that's for sure. I was hoping this build would come out with the 600cc wing sprint cars because they they do run these at Chili Bowl as well. And uh, they could have they incorporated that into this, uh, into this special event. I thought that would have been neat. Kind of like a, more of a beginner level uh, special event race if, if you did that. Those those midgets are really tough to get around that track. It's not not easy to get them things around there quick, and uh, the 600 CCs I think would be a lot easier to drive, and could get a little bit more participation. And this next one we did talk about last week, I believe, right, John? Uh, e Racing Omega Cup. Yeah, we did. So uh, E Racing Association, it's a it's a pay to play league that you can get into. They're going to do their uh, Cup Winter Bowl and. Uh, I think registration's open for it right now, so you can get in on the forums. You can see the post about it and go to their website. But looks like a pretty good league, you know, good organization, uh, good rules. Uh, so I, it's worth checking out if you're interested in any kind of pay league. I think the racing association's a good one. I'm surprised iRacing is pushing a particular league, like they. They posted this on their website. That there's an article at iRacing.com. They put it on the social media. But why? Why just? Why this league? And why a paid league? You know, I. That's the only thing I'm wondering. Uh, well, I mean, they could be paying for sponsorship, essentially. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Well, too. I mean, there's you know, top five finishers are going to split five grand. So you know that could be part of it. They're they're putting some money into this thing. It, yeah, I saw $27 when I went to go sign up. It looked like to get involved, but yeah, pretty cool. Get involved if you like to that kind of thing. 
All right, then our last event, Mike, uh, involves our guest from last week. Yeah, the Sean Timmerman Memorial event is happening Thursday, December 21st. Uh, he hopes to have the largest dirt car event ever in the sim for this. Uh, if He needs everybody in Discord, and then he needs everybody to join the league. And he, he's trying to get everyone to join the league before, I think, the 10th because then he has to figure out, you know, how to break it into heats and all that kind of stuff. So he really needs everybody to join in. Uh, guys, just, just get involved just so we can try to uh, beat this record of how many people get involved in this dirt event. I, I signed up. Uh, it's going to be uh, on a Thursday after the show recording. So I'm going to do it. It should be fun. Are you yeah. sure it's going to be after the show? Oh, maybe I'm not. Seven, <laughs> maybe I will miss it. Well, wait a minute. If, if they have what he's hoping, I think he said 600 people uh, racing. It's going to take a while to maybe get to my heat. Ask Maybe ask them in the Discord to move your heat or something. Be in a heat that's later on. Who knows? It's like herding cats. I, his Discord's kind of crazy. Team Conti Sim Performance, connecting oval sim racers with some of the best to have competed at the highest level of eNASCAR competition. From our wide variety of setup offerings to our coaching services that help racers reach their fullest potential, TCSP is data-driven, people-focused, and ready to help you fight to the top of the iRacing oval ladder. Check us out at www.teamconti.gg. Podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check us out on Discord and our website, iRacersLounge.com. We're in regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network. And we have merchandise available, hats, t-shirts, and, and polos, and so forth. Uh, iRacersLounge.shop. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's open up hardware software with uh, Fanatec Issues. And I did give this one a watch because I'm one of the guys currently on Fanatec Hardware. And I'm not terribly surprised to see it, but it looks like things have gotten even worse for them. Um, it's Sim Racing Corners, and he's had a very bad experience with them where they're basically not getting to emails within within like 20 to 21 days they sent him a piece of equipment and did not send him the universal hub to go with it that's supposed to be a part of it and there's been a, a rash of complaints in their forums including people who are getting their answers cancel or their orders canceled without getting refunded even yeah i watched it and uh i think he ordered this back in september and still doesn't have the uh the rest of it um as a guy that was in that ecosystem back when I was in iRacing before, um, their any sort of service was horrible, um, just absolutely horrible. Their correspondence was took days, if not a week, and it's just it, obviously it hasn't improved in the last seven years. Yeah, before I met you guys, I was in the Fanatec group, and my first RMA with the shifter that I no longer have installed here started me in the process of re researching localized 
uh, SIM providers, and that's why everything on my rig now is North American based, and I've spoken to everybody personally that I bought equipment from and um, talked to them about their customer service before I even bought anything, and it's uh, it's been great. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson learned. Um, I'm stuck with the equipment uh, back before we kind of knew how bad it was. Uh, but mine, I've been a little bit lucky, I guess, in that it's lasted me a while. But I'm not going to buy anything new for it. And I just hope it lasts as long as it will. La it can last before I have, have to switch over to something else. The Do you think the big problem with that company is it's Germany-based, but then they try and have the American um, distributor here in California and they just can't seem to produce anything or they've never had a customer service that ever is like from day one. Um, I've heard that they've never had a good customer service, but if they're saying it's getting worse, that's even bad because um, it was never good to begin with. Um, but I just feel like they think they're, you know, with the way the German, their German heritage, is that causing them to have a problem here in the United States with distributing it? Well, no, it's just bad customer service, and and they didn't really have to use that much comp competition. They only had SemiCube. Now they got competition. They're they've lost sales, and so they're having to cut back on on technical support staff, and it's and just going to spiral. And it it really could be almost the end for them. Yeah, I mean they've had. They've had the distribution thing in California for quite a while, but all correspondence is back to Germany. I can remember seven years ago, you know, dealing with the Havington RMA uh, CSW uh, base, you know, back before direct drives, and it was just incredibly painful dealing with anything. Um, I mean, I think when I sent mine back, it was gone for like five weeks, and, and you wait a week to get any sort of correspondence, and he sounds like he's having the same issues that they just haven't gone away. The end of the video. This is a quote from the guy in the video. He says, quote, they fucked me, they'll fuck you. Be careful out there. You can beat that if you want, David. Um, well, are we tagged? I mean, no, it's a public yeah. broadcast. You don't have to. Yeah. So I, I don't want to, I don't need to believe it. I don't think. We don't, we don't have any warnings for time, so it's fine. You don't have to worry about it. Yep. So we're not going to get to all this hardware, Mike. Do you want to cherry pick the, the few that you think are the most important? No, let's just go down the list. All right. Well, then let's hit the the Dim Sim Racing Button Box Pro. Uh, what do you think of this one, Mac? Yeah, um, it's uh, the Dim, like you said, the Dim Sim Racing Button Box Pro. It's a completely dismountable metal body. Manual processing of parts before painting, uh, powder-resistant painting, high-quality fasteners, three sides for mounting, ability to change the direction of the USB cable output. Um, electronics are compatible with PCs running Windows OS. The device is compatible with all simulators and games that support the simultaneous connection of more than one device and equipped with a navigation pad made of aluminum plate. So uh, it looks like a Looks like a pretty cool looking button box. Um, is it just me or do the buttons feel like look close together or is it just the way the colors are around them? I was going to say it's a very compact design. Very busy looking too. Is this yeah. like hand size or is it a little bit bigger than that, do you think? I'm thinking it's a little bit bigger because one of the pictures shows a phone on like sitting resting on top of it and the 
It doesn't look much bigger than the phone. So I, I have like, those. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was just saying, I, yeah, I'm still trying to decide on a button box. I love the way this one looks. It's just, I'm not, I don't like the idea of getting a button box. I'm guessing it's already going to be decaled and everything because I can't see where there's any pictures of anything not being decaled, which bothers me. Yeah, the button box I built, I used the buttons on the bottom left and bottom right, and those are about the size of the end of a pen, so they're pretty small. Um, I'm even thinking it'd be difficult to potentially read those letters they got imprinted on there. But, I mean, if I take the stickers off this thing, it might look better to my eye, but right now it just looks looks really busy. I like it. I, Do you think I, they I think... think uh, Sorry, Mike. Uh, no, that's okay. I, I, I just think... I like how it's not deep. I like how it has side mounting. How many button boxes have you seen mounting holes on the side? I mean, that's unique. Uh, you can change which side of the box the USB comes out of. I've never heard of a button box doing that before. Usually, they just have a, a USB coming out the back of it, right where you would mount this stupid thing, like in the worst spot ever. So there's a lot of good things about this button box. It does it does look well made, that's for sure. Looks pretty versatile too. Yeah. Now, the, like I said, it's just not, for me. I need more information. You know, is it base mountable? Because that's what I would want. I would want I want something that's got you know the the base amount on the back, so I can go on to eighty twenty pretty easy. Um, and again, the whole I want to be able to customize it for what I want. I don't want to have something that's already predetermined as far as labels and all that. This this kind of seems like, what, I can't remember what company had that one big button box. It's kind of like a, 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 vault, a smaller version of it, the, the color-wise. It was all being all pre, pre-labeled and pre-colored. Um, it just like, a, it just reminds me quickly of a small version of that. But uh, I like I like it. It just, um, I like to have make my own stuff, you know, predetermine my own buttons and not have something labeled wrong. Not a whole lot of point of labels if you're in VR either. This is true. And for me, my, my button boxes are even being used on in a flight sim as well. So it is really handy to not have labels on them. All right, Mike, tell us a little bit about this Sim two Sim Cube two Pro review. You know, this is this is food for my soul, <laughs> this video. It's, it reminds me why I made a good choice buying the SimiCube 2 Pro. Look, this is an old wheelbase. Everybody knows it. It's been out for years, but it's still top of the line. And this guy reminds us why, that this one might be even better than the Ace Attack with its fancy LEDs and everything and colors and whatnot, you know, and then you go back to the SimiCube with its real industrial look, you know, no thrills, black metal, you know, manly kind of motor. I don't know. Did anybody else watch this video? It, it, it definitely made me feel good about the wheel I drive. You know, I did it, Mike, but that's the wheel I have, obviously. And I take back what I said a few moments ago about everything being North American based. However, I did walk into a store and buy it here locally. Uh, but I did contact their customer service prior to purchasing the wheel just to kind of 
gauge what it would be like. And it was fantastic uh, overseas, obviously, but responded within a reasonable amount of time, within a day. But but uh, I'm with you, Mike. I just I just like the simple look of it. It's simple. It works great. Uh, the the software's great. Nothing. I've had no issues with this thing since day one. I feel like this is probably when I upgrade and switch to direct drive, this would be something that I'm going to definitely um, be looking into. Um, I just feel like for me, I want to try one of these direct drive wheels out and see what the difference is and stuff like that. I just don't have that experience with it yet, but um, maybe I should try one of those SIM um, lounge places that we have here in Ontario and maybe test out one of these if they have one or something like this just to see what the uh, um, direct drives are like. The one thing I do like about SimiCube, and I'm in SimMagic, you know, is what I've got, but I do love the idea that it, having all of the profiles that you can just go and try different profiles, uh, load them. That's that's really cool, and that's the one thing that I wish SimMagic had, because um, that's the one place I've struggled, you know, just continuing tweaking and tweaking and tweaking to try to get what I think is right. See, I've never tweaked a, a force feedback profile with SimiCube. I've only used other people's profiles just because, like Brad said, it's so easy. Look, I jumped in the, the Ferrari yesterday to test out my rig after putting it together. And, and what profile did I load? Daniel Morad's GT3 you know, pro, profile, a real race car driver who's put one together. And it, and it works great. And so I, and there's no need for me to change it from, from that. And it really makes it easy. The other thing that this reviewer, the Sim Racing Reviews pointed out about this, I'm remembering in the video, the beauty of the QR, the quick release on the SimiCube, it can't be more solid than that. Yeah, yes, the Asetek is faster to, to take on and off because you don't have to remove the, the pin and all that. But his take is it's still better. It's still got to be more solid just because of the way it's designed. Anyways, a simple design. And uh, yeah, I, I'm real happy with that choice. Stop. Start. My stupid dog's barking. All right. Well, how much torque? Does a torque torque need? And that doesn't work, does it? Uh, uh, e Racing Academy is asking what you should expect from a force feedback wheel. All right, uh, John, did you give this one a watch? Yeah, I did. Uh, Jason at E Racing Academy, you know, was trying to give us a little bit of a guide on uh, not not so much what you should expect, but maybe what you should look for. And I think what I got out of this was, you know, there's always this question of well. How much, you know, what do you need? Eight Newton meters, 12, 20, 21. What he said, the sweet spot is seven to 10. That's what you want to look for. And he said, uh, you know, he wants to, he wants to set it where you can feel what the car is getting, doing, you know, the perfect downforce. That's what you want to feel. You, we talked earlier about the new uh, curbs that, iRacing has he said you know I don't really care about that he says I want to feel what the car is doing he said I think seven to ten newton meters that's where you want to get to yeah I, I watched the video and I just think it gives a lot of good information um, kind of just walks through quite a bit um, you know it's just everybody thinks oh you know 23 32 newton meters whatever I need you know I, the one thing I do think and I agree with you know the more 
I think the more strength you've got, it makes it easier to, to dial it back, and then you get a lot more fidelity when it comes out of stuff. Um, and he talks quite a bit about that. Um, but I, overall, I think just a, just a great informational video. If you're thinking of going down the direct drive uh, rabbit hole, I think it's a good one to watch. I have a different take on it, though. I mean, I like to run everything 100. Well, I like to start everything at 100% just to see what it feels like and then i bring i bring it back to to something that i can actually race with but when i get into an indy car an ir18 at michigan and i go around the track and i hit auto that baby's running 25 newton meters okay and um you go into the corner and you have to turn that freaking wheel and it and it makes it feel like a real indy car and, and so i kind of like that recreation of the forces but now if i go to race that car at michigan for 20 laps you know what i'm probably going to dial that down 40 percent. but when i first started i like to try it you know a full force i like to get it as high as i can without it you know causing carpal tunnel syndrome essentially uh because it actually can affect how, you, how the car handles too if you the harder it is to turn the wheel the less likely you are to oversteer it I think that's one of the things that that helps me take care of my tires is that that I'm just I can't it's so much harder to put so much wheel into it. Not only am I not only going to get loose going into the corner, I'm not going to overturn it and turn the car with the wheel instead of the throttle. So I, 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 I get a handling boost out of it, I think, by cranking it as high as I can. Agreed. Like last night, Justin had a hard time with tire management and he was running his tires off even more than I, I, I was. And, and David, you hit the, you, you told him why he's turning the wheel too much. Never turn the wheel past say 10 o'clock. Uh, and, and so I realized that as you were saying that, that the force feedback actually prevents me from going past the 10 o'clock spot. Like it's, it's harder to turn it past that spot because you're forcing the wheel more and you can feel that difference in forces. And you know, if you're going that stronger force, you're actually scrubbing your tires. Fortunately, I don't think any of us have had to really worry about overheating, but what about this next guy, Donnie? <laughs> Sorry, I gotta scroll back up. You'll have to cut that out. Anybody have T3100 or T300 Thrustmaster wheels? That, that's what I used for about a year before I got my direct drive. I, and I never had this overheating problem. So you never cut a hole and put a fan in it. Never did that. Never had to thing thing worked like a charm, but uh, this guy obviously had a problem. He just popped a hole in it and put a fan in there. Yeah. David Vivas from the DIY Sim Racer asked if you might be having overheating issues with your Thrustmaster T300 like he did. And when I first saw this picture, I thought the fan was just a part of the thing and he took the cover off. But apparently he it looks like he took a bite out of the top of his uh, wheelbase and then bolted his own fan in there to check it out. And then he apologizes for the wire being that way and not the, the bite mark out of the side of it. But um, yeah, I've never had this wheel, never experienced it. But uh so you never had any heating issues there, John? No, I, I never did, but I, a lot of guys did. You know, when I would get on the uh, forums and things for Thrustmaster, guys complained about this quite a bit. Uh, but, I, you know, I never cranked up the force feedback on it super high. So I'm assuming maybe that's the problem. They've just got it set too high for too long, and 
you know, I, I would assume this wheel's got limitations in that regard. So maybe that's what his problem is. Just dial it down a little bit. What did he cut the plastic open with there? It looks like a wire cutters or some pliers or something. It, it, like you said, it looks like a bite mark almost. It's pretty jagged. He used a hammer, some kind of Phillips, maybe even a standard screwdriver. Not a hacksaw, nothing straight there. Uh, maybe a lighter at one point to kind of melt the edge. Of, who knows? That's a new one. Definitely not a Dremel. Well, David, we got time for one more. So you're saying we should not avoid the next topic? No, I'll take it. Daniel Gray has a YouTube channel, and he uh, gave his opinion on 10 products you should avoid buying for sim racing. And I'll list them off here. Custom rims for the Logitech G29. Folding rigs. Any rigs that fold. Anything that's called play seat. Never buy the next level racing FGT rig. Never buy the track racer GT rally seat. Never buy the integrated monitor stands. Never buy the Thrustmaster belt driven. Uh, never buy the Thrustmaster DD and never buy the VRS wheel rim or the real car sim rims. Here's my problem, Mike. Everybody starts from somewhere. Everybody has a background. Everybody has a budget. Did this guy buy everything and try it to be able to tell people not to buy the stuff? He he said know. he's had he's had some of it, but yeah, I mean, a, lot, yeah. a lot a lot of the stuff. I mean, I I can agree with. I mean, I, I agree with some of this stuff too. From the play seat when you're starting out, like you had to start somewhere, like Donnie was saying. Yeah, but Greg, would you have bought the play seat if you'd known what you know now? Obviously not. When I only yeah, but when I only had two or three hundred dollars to start off with and race. There were still better options for the same amount of money, though. For two or three hundred dollars, not in Canada, there isn't. Well, I'm going to give uh, Daniel Gray here a little bit of credit for for shooting this video, and he, he didn't come off like a jerk, and he could have easily come off a jerk saying, "Here, don't buy this." Um, for the most part, I think his reasoning for some of the stuff was pretty solid. Um, so, like, you know, the real car sim rims, he's not saying that they're bad, but do you really want to pay $10,000 for a wheel? It doesn't make sense. Um, same with the VRS. It's a good rim, but for the price, um, you can get better better rims for a lot less. Um, so, the Thrustmaster DD, you know, we had some issues with that. The Th Thrustmaster belt driven, it's like, this thing is obsolete with the pricing of, of, uh, the, of the direct drive wheels. There's no reason to buy this belt driven wheel when direct drive wheels are so cheap. Thrustmaster DD, the salt was overpriced as well. So some of it was just like, you know, for the for the price. And, and it's stuff that we've talked about before, some of the stuff on our show. It's like, yeah, this is a good product, but it looks like it seems pretty high. Do you guys have any problems with your integrated monitor stands? I, I do. <laughs> I do. And the reason is because, um, you know, I'm, I'm on motion. And when my rig starts to move around, the monitor's moving around. And I get those, like, white spots on the screen from the screen shaking. So I'm getting, I'm just getting ready myself to redo it. So I'm going to take the monitor off. And I don't really use it for racing anyway. But if somebody's watching me race, it's like, well, they can't even see what I'm doing because I'm in VR. But yeah, but I'm getting rid of my integrated mount. I'm just going to do a stand standalone. 
Yeah, I don't have any issues with mine. I mean, I got a TR-160 with the integrated. I had to do it for space-wise, where I needed to put it in the corner of the basement. Um, I just couldn't do a freestanding um, stand. But that, I mean, some you know the eighty twenty rigs. The stuff is, I think, strength-wise, is fine. Again, if you're going to use motion, no, I would never do integrated if I had motion. Yeah. Other than that, it's fine. Because when I race, some when I was doing some testing with my computer and I was racing without the VR and without motion, it was, the monitor was fine then. But it's just when you start moving, it's, it's a problem. Was there were you at some point talking that you might that you would want them integrated if you had motion, so that the monitors would move with you? Yes, and. If I wasn't in VR, that would probably be the case. I'd maybe try to figure out a better way to mount them. But because because I'm in VR, I'm not really. I was I would be concerned about you know you're moving and the screen's not, and that could be a little disorienting possibly. But um, but I don't run with the you know I don't run in with the monitor anyway. I'm in VR, so it doesn't really matter. Has there ever been um, anybody talk about this? Like, is there? a specific brand that um, is good for using motion that like, cause obviously monitors aren't meant to be jerked around to be vibrating and moving all the time. So is there a specific brand that might put up with it better than others? If you were doing motion? That's a good question. Just because you pay more for a monitor, it might be higher quality, but doesn't necessarily mean it's it's built to take that kind of jarring around and stuff. So I think that's a good point. I don't. I've never really seen anything that said, you know, this is a great monitor if you're going to be bouncing around the room. Let's jump to results and talk about the league race at the Winter Series. David, P8. Yeah, I've got a, was happy to keep a streak of top 10s going, I guess. And um, this one, we had one caution. Unfortunately, it took Brad out. Uh, and it was right in the middle of green flag stops, I guess, as well. Some people were really on a weird strategy and were only pitting, like they were pitting every 50 laps and trying to make it three stops instead of two stops. Maybe because they were tearing their tires up. But it was nice to uh, keep the streak going. I had good long run speed and was wearing my tire out less than anybody um, and ran down cars that were always way quicker than me, except for the last 10 laps of the run. Right. Brad Wren, uh, you got wrecked out in the only caution. Yeah. Did you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, my laptop died. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, we got into about getting ready to pit stops, and uh, you know, I, I ran too hard to begin with. I wanted to do, the first run. I wanted to run the car a little hard just to see what it would do. Um, planning to to back off a little bit, you know, after getting a pit stop, and was letting Justin by, and had a car. The guy had pitted, got fresh tires, and then decides that it's a great idea to go ahead and split us coming off a of four. Um, you know, I watched the replay a bunch of times and I held my line. He just came up and took me, you know, right across my nose and, you know, just completely destroyed the car. So, uh, very frustrating, very frustrating night. I mean, you, you know, you just, they, the, the racing has been so clean in there, but, you know, we had an opportunity to win at Atlanta and, you know, that ended up going bad and I don't know, it's just a very frustrating night. Timely caution for me. I was just begging for a caution before green flag stops, and and you were it. So, uh, yeah, the first run for me, I ran the tires off. I was fading. 
uh, it was back in th at the back basically. And so after the caution, I got up in there like 16th or something. But uh, from there on, for somehow I used more fuel than the rest of them. And I had the pit with five to go for a splash and go while other people could could make it on fuel. So I ended up finishing 22nd, but really ran about 12th most of the race. I was following David for a while until the tires got too old and I lost him. But uh, it was it was good to be back. Uh, and I ran about how I normally do. Uh, Justin, he had a P19. And that, he just was struggling with keeping the tires on the car. I did run pro trucks uh, week 13 at the uh, figure eight Irwindale and uh, finished P2 after being spun on the first lap and was dead last. I, I made it clear back up to P2, almost won the thing. And then John, you had a P1. Yeah, I ran that Delara IR18 series at uh, iRacing Super Speedway, started P14. You know, you know how the draft is at that track with those cars. You can catch anybody. And coming out of turn three, I was in third place. Made it three wide coming down the front stretch and won by two one thousandths of a second. Nice win. Yeah, I felt good. It's been quite a while since I've won one. And, and I, I, I like running those cars just because of the speed. So it's a lot of fun. Close race. Okay, let's jump to final thoughts. David Hall. I think I'm excited to see this uh oval roundup or oval overhaul thing i, I hope it makes things <laughs> change in my favor because i you know the last year i felt like i lost a step or something on the oval side and um i'm hoping things turn around this year we'll see right greg hector's final thoughts i'm just uh looking forward to uh like what david's saying they're just racing here i haven't had a chance to uh i missed the race last night because of uh a problem with one of my with my laptop i had to go solve something else with a laptop before and i just didn't get home in time but uh um i've moved out of vr and back to triples again so i gotta get back to used to driving that again um, i was just having a problem with my eyes for some reason in vr and i just wasn't having the concentration that i normally like to so i'm gonna put it back on triples again and We'll see how it goes, uh, but uh, hopefully next week, well, next week, uh, the Winter Series is at Watkins Glen, so I look forward to the road course, which I always do, so I uh, can't wait for that, and uh, yeah, I'm just sad that I missed the Charlotte race. Yeah, Alan was, uh, came by after the race and said, uh, man, we need more people in this league. Um, try to get the rest of your teammates to show up, and so they were missing Greg and John uh, both uh, last night. All right, and then Brian McCubbin. Uh, so uh, I got all my parts for the computer build, so it's not just build week for iRacing, it's build week for me. So on this weekend, I plan on taking my first stab at building a gaming computer. So wish me luck. <laughs> Don't be afraid to hit us up on the chat for help, and we have a lot of good people on the team that can build computers. Yeah, and you guys are great. I appreciate all your help. All right, Brad Wren, final thought? Uh, excited. Gonna gonna miss the winter uh, league race next Wednesday. Uh, I'm actually gonna run in the uh, Roush Fenway Kozlowski Holiday Showdown. So they're doing a, uh, a streamed race uh, next Wednesday at, from Michigan at 8.30. Um, my understanding, gonna get to race with, uh, with Chris Buescher. 
So uh, pretty excited. Um, was an invite, you know, I had to fill out an application and got picked. So pretty excited about that. It's only like, I think 40 people doing it. So uh, looking forward to that. That should be fun. It's going to have uh, they're going to do stage breaks in it manually. So that should be kind of interesting. Um, but looking forward to that and uh, just kind of ready to get back to to a new season next week. Um, like everybody else, excited about the uh, the oval refresh and, and hoping that it uh, brings back some of the stuff that I remembered, um, you know, six or seven years ago. Uh, when when I was last on the terms. All right, John Curley. Well, you know, I, I missed last night's race, felt bad. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was watching my grandkids' Christmas program at school in Missouri. So, hey, uh, had a good time doing that. Glad I made that. Didn't get, didn't race a lot this week because I was building my new sim rig. So I'm looking forward to uh, hitting week one of the uh, of the new season with this sim rig getting the adjustments made and have fun with it it's been a new experience so far loving it and you cleaned off your metal outside before you brought it in the house right yeah yeah track racer tip of the day man take that thing out of the box outside because there's going to be styrofoam everywhere so i took took the advice of you guys and did that and didn't have a whole lot of a mess i wish i'd have done the same thing the other thing, too, as we speak, I believe the uh, picks are being made for DJ EJ's drive smart to Daytona. So I'm hoping Justin Pearson gets picked and gets in that. Yeah, we've been following Justin's uh, journey. He's been in the time attack trying to keep in the top 200 and kept dropping down and down and down. And, and, and But he, he eventually stayed in it and. He he ran the race and he actually got wrecked on the first lap of, of that event, but uh, still hopes to have a good pick. All right, Mackenzie Stevens, final thought. Yeah, um, I've been doing quite a few of the just the street stock races. I was gaining some I rating from it, but uh, now I kind of put myself in a bad spot because I had one bad race where I lost 0.77 in safety rating. And now I'm actually under two, so now I got to run some more races and just stay out of trouble, so I don't lose my my A license. Ouch! All right, Donnie Spiker, final thought. Make sure you announce before your races that you there for the I rating or safety rating. That should go well. <laughs> um, not much, Mike. I'm just uh, glad you had me back for a rare appearance. Um, I've been away for a while and off the rig for a while as well. But um, I'm excited to be uh, getting to build some GT3 and GT4 sets for the upcoming season. That's what we'll be focusing on for the next uh, few weeks. But other than that, not much. All right. Yeah. Welcome back. Uh, my final thoughts is I'm welcome back. Uh, I love being back on the service. Uh, it's been a month, roughly. Uh, that was a long month without racing. And I was trying to find what to do with myself when there was nothing to race. And uh, it was interesting, but uh, I'm done with that experiment. I'm ba I'm glad to be back in the rig. I did not put it together first. I put the bed together first. I put the living room together first. I made sure I had groceries and I could do stuff like that. And then I put the rig together. But uh, it came out really well, uh, except for one of my two uh, fans doesn't work for the wind sim and I cannot figure out why. I've checked the wiring and don't know what's wrong, but uh, I'm just gonna go with it at this point. Um, I'm expecting three more cables to arrive tomorrow to finish out the ambient lighting system. 
Mackenzie, you gave me an idea of just plugging those three extra lights I have into the those wires and uh, just plug them in. I'm gonna put them behind the triples and just have them shine on the wall kind of thing. So it should look pretty cool, but uh, it'll be together tomorrow and completely done. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.